It's like a gated community on steroids. The bread breakers have come to share their products and then put up walls where at the top of the walls there are massive nasty shards of glass set into concrete. Hello! Welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits Again? That's this podcast brought to you by First Things Foundation. My name is John Hears. What we do is try to figure out what the heck is going on. Culture is collapsing. Now, that could be a good thing. What we try to figure out is, is are you aware of how it's changing? And shall we take a look at how the old world illumines the new world, the one we live in? And maybe we could take some lessons in this period of deep change. And that's Watar. Why are we talking about rabbits? Because we're going to go a little deep using history, philosophy, theology, and other hopefully light ideas because we want to talk heavy things lightly. This is, you know, what's a company anyway? So, peace to you from Greenville on a pleasant Monday morning. Greenville, South Carolina. I really want to talk about companies. And I'm talking about not really about companies in COVID. Who cares about COVID? Just let's not talk about it. I just want to talk about companies and what we find when we're looking at it from an old world perspective. And I think it's kind of interesting. So did you know today, right now, Nigeria and Angola sell more oil to the United States than Kuwait? That's a fact. You can look it up. I did. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's not true anymore like since yesterday or whatever, but it's true. Did you know that as... As of right now, nearly 80% of all coltan is mined in Africa. 30% of it coming from Mozambique and Rwanda. And a ton of it from war-torn Congo. Did you know that? What's coltan? Well, coltan is the key ingredient in the microcircuitry of cell phones and laptops. It keeps the current flowing in your devices. It's the stuff the new world is made up. Companies like Motorola, Sony, Ericsson, and a whole bunch more, they get nearly all of their coltan from nations that rest far, far below the world's poverty line. Mozambique, in East Africa, is the fourth poorest country in the world, according to Human Rights Watch. The Congo tops the list at number one. So, if you want to go old school liberal, like if you want to go like Noam Chomsky on people right now, you would be like, I feel some uh, multinational exploitation going on. I feel some companies taking advantage of some very poor folks exploiting their natural resources. Whoa, this feels like colonialism. Are they being exploited? I think the answer to that question is found in the word company. So the word company comes from the Latin word cum panis. Cum panis. Panis is the word for bread, and cum simply means together with. So our word company literally means together with bread, which makes sense. Of course it makes sense because companies are made up of people. And when they do cum panis correctly, they break bread together. Maybe over lunch or at a conference or perhaps at home after a long day of work with friends. They are bread breakers. 
Kumpanis, well, we're bread breakers. We break bread together. Or at least we should. It makes us human, I think. Kumpanis. And speaking of human, real quick, let's talk about health and help. Health and help. Huh. You know what they do? They build clinics. Got a great new video out. Go check them out. Health and help online. H and H. Great new video recruiting doctors to do something like what we do at First Things. So what they do is serve every nationality, faith, and sexual orientation by offering medical treatment to the most vulnerable among us. Right? Health and health patients receive the necessary medical treatment regardless of their ability to pay for it. They're all over the place in Central America. They're trying anyway. And we are going to get together on December 4th with them. That's this December 4th. Put it on your calendar. Clear your calendars. December 4th, a concert sponsored by First Things Foundation in conjunction with Health and Help. We are putting on a really cool concert. Three bands, jazz singers from Juilliard. We've got a Grammy-nominated guitarist, Brutus Charles. And we have the band Hilltop coming down from Chicago. And we invite you to come. Clear your calendars, December 4th, Saturday in Naples, Florida. You'll learn more about Health and Help and their amazing mission to go and help people by sending sort of like medical missionaries and First Things Foundation. That's right. Back to the show. Companies, companies. Hmm. Let's take a look at some of the oldest companies in the world. Just for a second, you want to? Congo Gumi. Congo Gumi was established in 578 AD mm-hmm. in Osaka, Japan. It's the oldest continually operating company in the world. It's a construction company founded by a Japanese person and commissioned by Prince Shotoku. That's right. And what did they first do? They built Buddhist temples. They're builders. Kongogumi was a family-run company for around 1,400 years. It's still a run company. It's just not family-run because Takamatsu, a giant, a giant mega corporation in Japan, took them over in 2006. Before that merger, Kongogumi employed over 100 individuals and had an annual budget of about $70 million. It's bigger today. Kongogumi, the oldest company in the world. Second oldest, also in Japan. Bet you didn't know that. Nishiyama Kelunkan is a hot spring hotel in Hayakawa, Japan. Founded in 705 AD. Oh, going back. It's recognized by Guinness as the single oldest hotel in the world. And guess what? Family run and has been since 705 AD. What about the oldest business in Europe? Well, the fourth oldest company in the world and the oldest company in all of Europe is the Staffelhof. That's a small, well, not so small, winery in Krov in the Rhineland region of Germany. Hmm. What about this winery? Well, guess what? It was started by monks in 862 AD. Monks got a big plot of land donated to them by the Carolingian royalty at the time. 
The Carolingians who donated it loved to go to that monastery. They did not want to see it ever fail, so they donated this land and went there on prayer retreats. These monks held that winery for over a thousand years until, in 1804, Bonaparte and his Napoleonic codes made it impossible for monks to own land, as they always had, which led to the sale of the winery to a guy named Peter Schneiders. Mr. Schneiders has now held that company in his own family ever since. Three really old companies. What are you guys seeing there with these three companies? And by the way, I can name a lot more, and they have similar characteristics, similar attributes. Can you feel the family mojo going on there? Can you see that there's like a familial root to each of these? And that root is nourishing these bread breakers. There's a very local familial notion. And in that local familiar notion, there is a ton of honor built into that. In other words, these companies are operating as much out of product management, sale, and profit as they are out of honor. And, well, they're really old. But notice what happened in each case. The family started losing out to a modern-day concept of expansion. Hmm. It almost feels like bread breakers start in the new world, in the post-Enlightenment age, to lose out to bread takers. Hmm. So what happens when a company, a collection of bread breakers, starts to expand and grow? What happens when the nature of new world business demands, things like expansion, competition from markets, what happens when that becomes the dominant hope for a business? Well, these stories tell us that the family vibe starts to take a hit. The Congo Gumi family gets eaten up around 2006 by an international conglomerate, Takamatsu. The monks making wine get jettisoned after more than a thousand years because, well, Mr. Light Man extraordinaire, Napoleon, he rewrites laws and cuts out religious ownership of certain types of businesses. You can feel the old world breaking bread, kumpanis mojo shifting. Hmm. A new reality is being born. One that creates a ton of product delivery and a ton of wealth. But you can feel there's a dilemma that these international, multinational companies that they start to face once they've gone deeply into other cultures and once they've begun to expand in a way. And when there's so many other companies competing for the buyer, you can feel that they're faced with a dilemma. They're faced with an important question. And that question is, is how do we remain bread breakers while focusing all of our energy on being money makers? Well, one obvious answer is kumpanis. Well, they should be true to themselves. I think it seems obvious that one way to answer this question is break bread, share tables, share life and relationships with those in the communities where you sell your product. 
slow down. Right? It seems like a Kumpani's company, a together with bread, a bread-breaking company should get adopted by the locals. They should not be adopting the locals. They should not be trying to convince the locals of their product. The locals should be adopting them because you know what? They're something like family. And with that notion, if you're looking online, our producer, Mr. Andrew, will put up some pictures right now. I present to you some pictures from West Africa where some companies, some companies are doing business. Here's a picture of a typical Western businessman's home, a scene from the African street. Yeah. And if you're on the pod and you're not looking at it on YouTube video, what you see is a wall and a wall which at the top of the wall has military style barbed wire. The picture you're looking at online is from Kenya. Yeah. It literally looks like they're trying to stop the invasion of barbarian hordes. That is a wall right, of the home of the offices of a Western business. I won't say which one in Kenya. Hmm. Here's another picture from Freetown. This one's hot. This is the top of a wall of a house where the bread breakers have come to share lives with the people they're selling to there in West Africa. And what are you looking at? You're looking at a wall that's got Cement at the top, and in the cement is placed shards of broken glass, which you could find in Africa. Shards of broken glass sticking straight into the air, and if anyone's ever visited any of these countries, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Barbed wire, nasty glass shards set in concrete, so if you try to climb up, you get shredded. Modern day moats. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. Well, they're doing that to stay safe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we got guys at first things that live in mud huts in the same neighborhoods. Yeah. Just chilling. I mean, it's like a it's like a community, it's like a gated community on steroids. The bread breakers have come to share their products and then put up walls where at the top of the walls there are massive nasty shards of glass set into concrete. So if you try to visit or crawl the wall. Well, or you got to go through the gate where there's two armed guards. I mean, look, I don't know what to tell you here, but these bread breakers, yeah, not a lot of companies going on here. Yeah. No, the truth of the matter is we light people love to be part of the whole emerging market thing so long as we don't have to break bread with less than emerging neighborhoods. It's not that the business going there is the problem, although it could be. You know, just extracting coltan, that might not be a great business model. But I don't really think the company's business itself is the problem. It's the way we do business. Many massive international companies aren't actually companies anymore. They're no longer bread breakers. They've become bread takers. But if you think about it, that's the new idea of what a company is. It's the new world notion. It's about winning markets. 
The old world couldn't have winners because a winning family business that wasn't already royalty was a family in danger of losing their heads. A winning family, say that one that cornered the market and then that went and set up shop with shards of glass at the top of their moated walls. A winning family like that, uh, yeah, they were very successful until places like Qing China, circa 200 BC, where they would have all been summoned by the king and then he would have said, hey, I have some cool business ideas, but let's start first with this sword that takes your head off because that's what happened. Called in all of his merchants, told them he was going to give them a raise and then chopped their heads off. Mm -hmm. You can see this, okay, all over the place in the old world. Merchants were always on the lowest ladder of the social hierarchy in the old world. They were the worst class of people. This was also the case in Europe. Mark Cartwright, a Byzantine scholar, tells us that traders, merchants in Byzantium, yeah, they may have gotten extremely rich at times, but they were held in low esteem by the society at large. And then he adds, Byzantine icons frequently portray these professions, merchants, as being tormented in hell for their dishonesty. So even where there were merchants, they were held at the bottom of the social ladder. Ouch. Check out how Dante writes regarding the new merchant class in the 14th century Italy. Let's just say the Florentine traders end up with shiny money bags around their necks, and it's not because they're being given a medal. Think way down in hell. Okay. Yeah, merchants. There's always been merchants, but they are not held in high esteem in the old world. And really across the board, you see that the old world treats their merchant class with very little love and respect. Where they operate, they operate as minions and not as free men and women. They are amoral. And that is why they're at the bottom. You see it again and again from China to Europe. It's very much true in the Caucasus. The traitor isn't a problem. It's just that he isn't. And by being isn't here, what I mean is, is he is amoral. He's not immoral. He or she is amoral because they are fundamentally practical. They care only about the practical. And so for most of us today, in our utilitarian, practical, modern, new world, that's good. To be practical is the point. Oh, come on, man. Just be practical. See this for what it is, a way to get what you need. That very thought process is dangerous in the old world because it lacks a center. It lacks a principle. And when you don't have a principle, you don't have anything to die for. And in the old world, that's the whole point. The whole point is a really clear recognition that death is awaiting. Therefore, make sure you die with honor. And a merchant has no principle. The goal is to move product and create profit. At least that's the way it was understood in the old world. Companies, companies is the new world answer to the old world oppression of the merchant class. Isn't that interesting? The modern company 
the freedom of the individual to do whatever they want to make as much money is the new world answer to the oppression of the merchant class in the old world. We will be good for society is what the new world merchants tell us, including Ben Franklin. Go read him. We are bread breakers. We are not just bread takers. That is the new mantra in the new world. Is we'll show you we can be good for society. And many people can argue, new worlders can argue, companies have done a great thing. And so I guess what has to happen is we must decide, us modern people, us new worlders, what is a companis? What is a company? What is it? How does it balance bread taking and bread breaking? At first things right here, this podcast you're listening to, the people, our, our work where we send people into the field to basically find bread breakers and then help them develop their ideas and turn them into bread makers, but not lose their bread breaking identity. You know what I'm saying? Keep both. That's what we do. We love the people who try to thread the needle. We love the old world folks who see an opportunity to do something really good. We like people who know that breaking bread leads to making bread, but that the point of making bread is to share it. Hmm. Companies should give as much as they take. Really, that's the human story. Hmm. And so at first things, we try to bridge the divide by finding those people and then helping them build their best ideas. And we do that because what else are we supposed to do? I mean, I guess we could bring them an idea of uh, they should all buy First Things Foundation t-shirts and then wear them and then do what we say so that they can make money. Uh, uh, I don't like that plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have a great idea. It was uh, developed in Singapore, and we just know it's going to work with you in Burkina Faso. I don't like it. I was just there watching the Chinese extract stuff from Mozambique. No offense. It's not the Chinese. It's Chinese government corporations. Chinese people are, like everybody else, good. Chinese government corporations have decided to extract things in the colonial model. Now, some people are, are getting bread, for sure. There's some crumbs, but mostly, yeah. The bread breakers there, those big Chinese government companies, the bread breakers, the companies, yeah, they're mostly taking bread. And it's not good. Yeah, it's not floating all boats higher or whatever, raising all, no, it's not. Sorry, it's not doing that. Companies need to be bread breakers first. Knock down the walls, knock down the barbed wire, risk, I don't know, relationships. And you'll be surprised when you have good ones. Guess what people tend to do? They tend to rob you less. And that means and leads to Gaggy Marjos. <laughs> Let's toast that. Good relationships tend to mean you get robbed less. Gaggy Marjos. That means to you the victory. I hope this pod made you think. I hope that you're thinking out there about beautiful things because guess what? The world's pretty good. It's good to be alive. It's good to have blood in your veins. When I woke up this morning, I thought, it is good. My resurrection this morning was good. I was dead, and now I live. Ever watch someone sleep? Yeah, they're dead. They seem to be dead, and then they're awake. 
And that's what we should all be thankful for on this particular day. Also throw in some bread breaking, bread taking ideas. Enjoy your day. I hope it's good. Peace from Greenville. Nakwamdis. Hasta luego. Au revoir. Alakataganinka sakanogia. Was my favorite old Bambara phrase from West Africa. There's other ones to say in Kiche and all kinds of languages, but most of all, have a beautiful day. Gagi Marchos. <laughs>